welcome to this presentation of Bethel Family Church. We hope you enjoy listening and that it helps you to grow closer to Jesus. Uh, we are continuing our series this morning. We've been talking about faith that works when life doesn't. And uh, we've been talking about this kind of faith that, that even when we go through a crisis, even when we go through a hard time, a difficulty, a struggle, when we go through grief, when we go through loss, when we go through pain, when we go through suffering, that we have that kind of faith and trust in God that actually brings us closer to Him rather than pulling away. Today I want to talk about faith that anchors me in storms. And we, always, we, we all know, I think we probably have a fair idea that, you know, on a boat in a storm, it's easy for that boat to kind of get thrown around by the storm and we've kind of probably seen enough movies if you've never been on a boat or, you know, kind of things to understand. Sometimes the storms can really blow us off course. And sometimes it's, it's a little bit like that with life, isn't it? There are storms uh, and things that come at different seasons in our life that can blow us off course and we end up a long way away from where we wanted to be or where we needed to be. And uh, so I want to talk about the anchors, that uh, a faith that anchors me in storms, how we can have that kind of uh, stability, that kind of certainty in uncertain times that keeps us from drifting away from where God wants us to be. And we've been talking about uh, faith that sustains us in this crisis and I understand that we kind of all go through different seasons. Sometimes there are things where we go through a crisis together. And sometimes there are kind of things which we sort of do individually. You know, last year was a great example with the whole COVID thing and we're still sort of somewhat going through that, although it doesn't feel quite as much like a crisis anymore, does it? Um, but certainly when we look around other parts of the world, it's certainly the, the reality of it and the, the seriousness of it has not lessened any, but we probably don't feel the effects of it quite so much here in Wow. But there are other things that we go through in life too. And I don't know whether you're going through something that you would describe as a crisis right now. Maybe you're not. Maybe things are really great for you right now. Maybe you're rejoicing and you know, you're in a great place with God. That's awesome. If that's you, I, I, this is still for you. Because you know that at some point, there's going to be stuff that happens and you're not going to be rejoicing quite so much. You know, and so it's great to be prepared. Some of this is about being prepared for things that we're going to face in the future. Being prepared can save us a lot of hardship. Being prepared can save us a lot of pain. Last year during COVID and the, you know, the great toilet paper shortage of 2020, there were some who were quite prepared and others who were caught unprepared. But you might remember a story that was going around about this particular lady. Now, I don't know if you can see that, but in all of those boxes is toilet paper. Now, this was, this, she's, she's not, a, uh, not a hoarder or, you know, she wasn't doing the, you know, like buying. She accidentally, instead of ordering, this, she was ordering toilet paper from that online place and uh, she, instead of ordering 48 rolls of toilet paper, which she thought she was doing, she ordered 48 boxes of toilet paper and, uh, and two massive pallets turned up on her doorstep uh, uh, of toilet paper and so it was kind of doing the rounds. But uh, there, there are people, I don't know if you've ever seen uh, that TV show Doomsday Preppers. 
Anybody ever seen Doomsday Preppers? Now, a lot of the time, it's just kind of an excuse to, like, get lots of guns and ammunition, and, you know, for, like, rednecks in America. Uh, <laughs> but a lot of time, it's like they're, they're kind of really trying to prepare themselves for, like, a future crisis. Some of our children are going through year 11 and 12 at the moment and are beginning to prepare for exams. I remember what it was like... Um, to, uh, to go for exams. And it, some of this kind of stuff is a little bit like studying for the exam. If the exam is the trial, if the exam is the crisis, then studying for it beforehand helps to lessen the pain. And I don't know if you can remember back that far for some of you, if you did exams, for some of you, you might not have even, but um, if you go into an exam and you're faced with a question that you studied for and prepared for versus that question that was a bit of a surprise and that you weren't prepared for. And the difference in, you know, that doesn't necessarily always mean, being prepared doesn't necessarily always mean it's easy, but it does mean that we have confidence. It does mean that we have a sense of, ah, in this situation, I prepared, I know what I'm supposed to do. And we've been studying James and the book of James and James wrote to people who were going through a crisis, who were suffering persecution uh, and he wanted the believers that he wrote to, to kind of understand, he, he wanted them to not just kind of be able to survive but to be prepared in such a way that they can thrive even in the midst of persecution, that their faith, their trust in God, their relationship with Him would not just kind of weather the storm, but would actually come out the other side stronger and sturdier and more sure and more certain because of the troll that they'd been through. And sometimes it seems like that's a bit of a a pipe dream, doesn't it? Sometimes it kind of seems like, you know, how could my faith actually be stronger after going through a really hard time that sort of seems to shake things? We're going to talk a little bit about that. But before we read from James today, um, I want to start with some words from Jesus and they're familiar words. But Jesus also talked about storms and he talked about uh, how to anchor what to anchor ourselves to uh, when storms come and it's in Matthew 7 he says anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise like a person who builds a house on solid rock person who anchors the house of their life that they're building to the bedrock he says though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house does that sound like a storm Sounds like a storm, doesn't it? It kind of, yep, we can relate to that. Sometimes I think we've all had moments in our life where it felt like the rain was blasting down and the wind was, you know, rattling the windows and, you know, we kind of, things felt a little bit shaky. You know, it felt like we were sort of, you know, in the middle of that storm. He says, the winds beat against that house, but it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Now, it's not hard to understand some of the the flaw uh, inherent in building a house on sand, is it? 
We know what happened. We've seen, you know, we've all built sandcastles at the beach and, you know, when the waves come and the water comes up and it sort of, you know, washes it all away. You can imagine what that's going to do when water comes up and floodwaters come up and it's going to wash away all that sand underneath the house, you know, or under half of the house. That's probably worse, isn't it? <laughs> You've got half the house that's here and half the house that's suddenly down here and it's like, you know, like the Titanic going down in the ocean. Not sure why that image sprang into my mind, but that's the visual I get, a house like cracking in half. You know how the, the boat did that? You get, where, okay, that's, you're getting insights into how my brain works sometimes now. <laughs> it might be scary for some of you. But James tells us that the solid foundation, the only certainty, the only sure thing in this world is, uh, uh, sorry, Jesus tells us, um, that is the truth of his word. That's the only thing that never, ever changes. His truth, the truth of God's Word. And, and that's, that's kind of the thing, isn't it? That something that is true, actually, objectively, really true, is always going to be true. And this is what Jesus says about His Word. This is the only thing that never changes, never shifts. Hebrews 6 verse 19 says this hope, talking about this hope that we have in Christ, is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. Psalm 119 says, I'm worn out from waiting for your rescue, but I have put my hope in your word. My hope comes from God's word from his truth. It doesn't come from my bank account, thankfully. Uh, <laughs> doesn't come from other people, because other people always let me down at some point. It doesn't come from uh, even my family and my friends. It doesn't come from the government. My hope is not in the government. You know, who, who would be foolish enough? Uh, but so many times we do, don't we? We expect the government to kind of, you know, mandate this and fix that and legislate that and fix all the world's problems, you know, so that we can live happy and free and all that kind of stuff. But uh, our hope comes from the Word of God. So, so here's the question. How do, how do I do that? How do I anchor my life to the rock of God's Word? Now, anchors aren't just about boats. Right? We've got a picture here. We've got our, uh, a rock climber, and rock climbers use anchors, and there's all different kinds. Some of them are kind of like scissory-type ones. They put into little crevices that sort of open up and grab onto the rock. Some of them they drill in or hammer into the rock, but they are places, that they are things that are secured to that rock face that they can then hang on and have confidence and security in that. They anchor themselves to the rock that they're, they're climbing. So here's, here's uh, three things, and I've got, I've got three points, but two of them have got five sub-points, so we've got lots of points today. <laughs> all right, but number one, the sub-points are all short, so it's okay, we've got three main points. This is, this is how I can like, have 13 points, but still tell you I've only got three. <laughs> it's all good, I promise. Number one, I anchor my life to the rock of God's Word by treating God's Word as a precious gift to me. Treat God's word as a gift to you, not just to the world, not just to the church, but treat it as a gift to you personally. In Isaiah uh, 59, God is talking to the, his people. And he says, this is my covenant with them. He says, this is, this is my promise to them. 
My spirit will not leave them, and neither will these words I have given you. They will be on your lips and on the lips of your children and your children's children forever. I, the Lord, have spoken. He says, there's two things that I give you to my, give to my people, my spirit and my word. He says, these are things, and often we kind of think about God's word in other ways than it being a gift, don't we? We, don't, we often think about it as being the law. We think about it as being the, the commandments. We think about it as being the, the rules, the restrictions, the guidelines. But often we forget that, the, that God's word is not just to kind of restrict our behavior or to kind of rule out some of the fun stuff, but to protect and to help and to bless that his word is a gift to his children because he knows how important it is to our happiness, to us having abundant life, to us having joy and peace and relationship with him. And he says, I give you my spirit and I give you my word because these are the most important things in maintaining the relationship that we have with him. These are the, the, the greatest gifts that he could give us. And James kind of reiterates the same sort of thing in James 1 verse 17, he says, Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. Unlike those lights in the heavens, the sun, the moon and the stars, it says he never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word and we out of all creation become his prized possession. So five aspects of God's gift. If you've got your notes, you can see the list there. You can fill them in um, if you like. But firstly, what James is telling us, what we've just read in that passage of Scripture, is that God's Word is good. First thing that we have about this amazing gift that God has given us is that it is good. What makes it good? It's good because it helps us. It's good because it blesses us. It's good because um, you know, it, it accomplishes good things in our life. Number two, God's word is perfect. James, remember James talked, he said that whatever is good and perfect is a gift from God. Why is, it per- why is God's word perfect? Number one, we say it's perfect because it's infallible. There are no mistakes. There are no contradictions. There are no errors. Uh, number two, we say it's perfect because it's a perfect gift. It's perfect in and of, our, of itself, but it's also perfect in the sense that it's a perfect gift. Have you ever received a gift from someone and you're like, this is just the most perfect... Um, <laughs> there was a whole lot of feeling in that there, Haley. <laughs> Maybe we can relate more to the opposite, but I, I don't know. If, we, we understand the difference between that, that perfect gift that just is exactly what we wanted or exactly what we needed or just, you know, was, was just like us to a T versus, uh, you know, like a, one of those other gifts that's less than perfect. You know, maybe we look at it and go, oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, I, I love those little videos on the, the internet of the, the parents and I don't know, I'm not advising this as a good parenting strategy, but the parents who 
give their children a prank gift to see how they'll react and, you know, how, like, how entitled they are and, you know, and there's a, there's a broad range of reactions, isn't there? The kid, you know, who get, opens up his present and it's a, an avocado or something and he's like, wow, an avocado, thanks, mum, you know, and, and the kid, you know, get, opens up and finds, you know, something weird in there and he throws it against the wall and has a tantrum, that's not what I wanted, and, you know, um, but uh, they kind of make me laugh. I'm sure that we've all kind of received um, avocado gifts at times. Um, God's Word is good, it's perfect. Number three, God's Word is true. God's Word is true. James talks about His true Word. He says He gave us His true Word. The, The Bible will always help us to know the right thing to do. God will always... Uh, direct us and lead us uh, through His Word. His Word will always help us to know God's way. Always gives us the truth. Jesus said, "The truth you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free." Number four, God's Word is unchanging. Sometimes uh, gifts wear out. Sometimes gifts break down. Sometimes gifts. Uh, are great, but over time they become obsolete. Now, like, who's got cassette players still sitting around their home, or you know, that probably maybe get used a little bit, but are probably not as exciting a, a gift perhaps these days as, as something more modern or, or newer, or whatever the case might be. Sometimes things get old and don't function as well as they they used to. But the thing about God's gift of His Word is that it's always relevant. It is always for now. It always speaks into the situation. If we've got ears to hear, it'll always speak into the situations that we face now. God's word is unchanging uh, and unchangeable. No matter what country you live in, no matter what culture you live in, no matter what century you live in, God's word is is relevant uh, and useful to us. Now, it is true that sometimes our our uh, translations can be revised to to be because uh, our language changes over time, doesn't it? Sometimes we kind of need to do a a language update. But what do we do in that situation? We don't change God's word; we just change our translation or our our understanding of it. We go back to the original of God's word that is unfallible or infallible, I should say. Get my English right for you grammar Nazis out there. Uh, <laughs> Uh, we go back and we 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 retranslate into today into the language that we speak today, so that we can understand it. Uh, so God's word is unchanging. God and number five, God's word is life giving. In James, we read that last bit, and you might have thought this was a little bit curious or maybe you picked up on it I'm not sure it says he chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word now obviously um, we're not talking about literally giving birth what we're talking about is giving us new life we talk about being born again we talk about new birth talk about being a new creation and scripture talks about being born of the spirit when God says uh, and James tells us here says God gave us new life. It says He gave us new birth by giving us His Word. It was His Word and His truth that led to our new life in Christ. So God's Word is life-giving. God created us 
in his image. He created us to know him and to be loved by him. He chose to give us his word. If we didn't have his word, how would we know him? Romans uh, 15 verse 4 says, Such things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us. And the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. If you need hope, if you need encouragement, you'll find it uh, in his word, in the scripture. Everything in the Bible was written to give you hope and to give you encouragement. Even the parts you don't understand, even those clean pages of your Bible, um, even those you know bits through that Old Testament that you, you know Habakkuk and Zephaniah and I don't know whether you crack those open very often, but even even those bits that are complicated and difficult, even those weird and wild and wonderful things in the Book of Revelation, they were there to give us hope and encouragement. Everything in God's Word is, is a good and perfect gift for us. It helps us, it encourages us, it builds us up and it gives us hope. And sometimes I think we treat it as an obligation or as a chore or as a duty or something we need to tick off our to-do list to make sure that God is happy with us and not so much like a precious gift. And I, I can tell you, I'm guilty of that at times just as much as you are. So don't feel like I'm <laughs> just giving you a hard time. This is challenging for all of us, I think, to, to view God's Word that way. So that's number one, to treat God's Word as a precious gift. Personally, treasure it. I encourage you, treasure it as priceless. And when we do that, then we will value what it says to a greater degree. Number two... Humbly accept whatever God says. Humbly accept whatever God says. James 1 verse 21, he says, So get rid of the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save you. Your souls. Now, there's a couple of things here in this verse. Firstly, uh, he talks about accepting the word. Now, I want to encourage you just to think about this for a minute. Do you accept, when you read the Bible, do you accept God's word? Do you receive it? The word there for accept is a word that's also used for uh, welcoming in a guest into your home. Do we do that with God's word? Sometimes I feel almost a little bit like, like for me, sometimes there are kind of things that I read and it's almost like I want to just kind of keep it at arm's length just a little bit, read it first and then decide what I'm going to do with it. Anyone else? <laughs> do, I, do I agree with this? Do I, am I okay with this? Like, am I comfortable with this? Okay, I'm comfortable with it. You know, now I can accept it and receive Yes, thank you God for that word. You know, it's like if, if it's a little bit more uncomfortable, uh, a little bit more challenging maybe or, uh, you know, whatever, uh, I'm not sure I agree with that, then go, hmm, not sure I'm, you know. And we don't, re- often we don't receive it in the same way, do we? We just kind of want to go, yeah, I'll just skip on and find another verse. <laughs> but do we receive, do we humbly accept the word that God has, uh, the, the word God gives us when we, when we read his word? 
Um, secondly, do we allow it to take root and grow? The Bible uses lots of kind of illustrations from nature, doesn't it? Well, it's probably understandable given that there was a kind of a fairly agricultural society, you know, they, would, they needed to grow stuff. Um, uh, but he talks about um, this idea of God's word being planted in our heart. And that's one of the things that something that's planted is supposed to be allowed to, to take root and grow and, and develop and, and uh, become what it's meant to be, isn't it? But he says at the start of that verse, he says to get rid of the filth and evil in your life. It's a little bit like sometimes in your, your garden, you've got to clear out all of the weeds before there's enough space to plant something new in there. I've got a little picture here, of the before and after. It is, it is, yeah. But if you wanted to plant some um, you know, nice flowers or something along the side of your path, which one uh, is, would, are you going to find is going to be more successful you know, which one's going to be easier to plant something new in there? Obviously, it's the, it's the cleaned out one, isn't it? And there's that same kind of idea. Sometimes there's like, there, there's some stuff that's in our life that we need to be able to clean out and get rid of because it clutters up all that space where God wants to plant a new word in your heart. And it, this morning, I actually believe that that's a that's something specific for, for some people here this morning, that there's some things where, where there's stuff that is cluttering up and getting in the way. And God is wanting to say to you this morning, I, I, I'm wanting to plant a new seed in your heart. I'm wanting to plant my words in your heart, but there's some stuff that you need to clean up and get rid of first. That stuff competes with God's word in my heart, just as much as the weeds compete with the, the plants. Sometimes I think the only difference between a weed and a plant is the, the plant is what you, what you want to be there and the weed is what you don't want. Um, <laughs> but the weeds compete with the plants in the garden, just like the stuff in our heart competes with God's word. Well, maybe in your garden. In my garden, I think the weeds have taken charge, but... <laughs> So how do we do that? How do we, how do we deal with that stuff? How do we uproot those weeds and the, the clutter and the mess to make room for God's uh, word to be planted? It's not overly complicated, I don't think. Uh, and it begins with talking to God about it. It just begins with, you know, when you're talking to God, when you're praying, just confess those things to God. Be honest about that stuff and where we're at with that stuff and ask him to help you with that. There may be some things that he'll, he'll lead you to do, but it really just begins with confessing and talking to God and being honest and saying, God, I, I want to get rid of this stuff so that there's room for your word in my heart. Number three, study it and then do what it says. That's not overly complicated. And yet, how difficult can it be at times? James 1, 22 to 25 says, Don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. You can hear that in his, in his voice there. <laughs> Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom 
and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. I don't know about you, but I like that last bit. I like the being blessed bit. How many of you could, would, would not say no to being blessed this morning? Uh, is there anyone here this morning that if God says, I want to bless you, you turn around and say, no, 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 I've got enough blessing. I don't think I could possibly handle any more blessing in my life. Anyone? Anyone? No? No hands? Okay. All right. <laughs> I think we're, we're all in place where, you know, if God says, I want to bless you, we're like, yes, please. Bring it on. I will take that. So if you, want to be, if you want that blessing, if you want this blessing that James is talking about in your life this morning, here are the things that he says God blesses, okay? God blesses those who do these things. He says those who listen to the Word. He says listening to the Word is good. Now you're doing that here this morning. We're listening to the Word. Maybe you have other ways, which is fantastic. Maybe there, you know, there's all kinds of resources that we have. Listening to the Word is not just something we do Sunday morning, is it? There's podcasts and like there's our, there's our Bible and you can get the Bible to read to you and there's all kinds of things that we can do to listen to God's Word. But one of the problems with listening to God's Word is that it's not enough in and of itself, is it? The reality is that uh, if, if all we're doing this morning is listening, we'll probably forgotten uh, everything that we've heard pretty soon. Some of us, it might even be by the time you get home after church today, you'll be like, wow, these, these cupcakes are awesome and, and what am I going to do now? And you know, I've got to do my washing this afternoon and it's like, it's gone. You know, some of us might hang on to it a little bit longer, but um, most of the studies show, and I think we know that, like, even if you're trying to remember, if all of you've done is, is, is listens, you'll have forgotten it within two to three days. That's gone. gone. If all we're doing is listening, um, that, that's not enough. And this is what James says, what says. Listening is good. Listening is the first step. But we've got to do more. He says, uh, number two, he says, study the word. He says, those who look intently into that mirror it says look what does it mean to look intently it means to um it's not just about you know like studying those pimples that you've got on your your cheek when you're looking intently into that mirror it's not just about kind of self uh, analysis or self-reflection or you know any of that kind of stuff it means looking intently into the word looking intently into it, it means uh, to kind of to, to to read the bible with the intent to learn something and take something away reading the bible with the intent to remember reading with the with purpose and not just kind of going oh I'll flip my bible open and read a couple of random verses and you know that's all good but but studying is going i'm going to i'm going to look at all the verses that teach me about this and i'm going to learn what the bible tells me about how to manage my money i'm going to learn what the bible tells me about how to find peace i'm going to learn what the bible teaches me about how to have a great marriage and how to how to parent my kids or you know whatever it might be to look intently to study the word number 3 is to make it a habit. James says to, to read the Word, to look intently and to continue in it. It is a really important thing uh, to make reading God's Word a habit because we get busy and because we get forgetful 
and because you know other things kind of crowd in and get out and unless we've made we built into um into our life and into our day habits that bring us to god's word it's so easy for like a week to go by and we're coming to church and we're like oh yeah i was gonna read my bible more this week whoops okay make it a habit number four memorize the word he says, those who don't forget, uh, who continue in it, not forgetting what they have heard. Scripture, there are many, many scriptures that talk about meditating on God's Word. Now, what does it mean to meditate on God's Word? It just means to keep it in your mind. You know, if you read something in the morning and you're thinking about it during the day and going thinking about what does that mean god what are you wanting to say to me how can i apply that in in my life today um sometimes some of you here this morning uh might kind of get a little bit when when we talk about memorizing scripture you might be like oh i can't do that anyone anyone had trouble yeah yep it's not necessarily an easy thing for it. Some of us find it easier than others. Um, but I, I can promise you that you have the capacity to memorize Scripture. Um, and if you think you can't, let me ask you this question. How many of you could quote me a line from your favorite movie? How many of you could complete, like, any Princess Bride fans here this morning? Ah, my name is Inigo Montoya. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, how about Forrest Gump? Mama always said, laugh is like... Never know what you're going to get. All right. How many of you could sing a song from memory? Or part of a song? How many of you, even from your childhood... Eli plays songs from memory all the time. Um, <laughs> tell you. No. <laughs> you just make it up. <laughs> like close enough uh, <laughs> how many of you could remember nursery rhymes that you learned as a child yep, yep. how many of you know the alphabet <laughs> hopefully that's most of you the thing is that there are things that go into our brain and stay there and we have a choice sometimes about what those things are sometimes it is important if we're trying to remember something it can help to actually say stuff out loud to read stuff out loud don't pick you know like uh psalm 119 to start with okay (laughs) those of you who don't know that's like the longest chapter of the bible is like a hundred and something verses all right don't set yourself an impossible task. Start with, they've been talking about on the, on the radio, Vision Radio, they've been talking about the Treasury Project, memorising a new verse every week. Some of you have been listening to that. Pick some verses that are meaningful to you. Write them down. Read them out aloud. Go over them. Repetition, that kind of stuff. And I guarantee you, it'll start to sink in. You might not necessarily know word for word every single thing but you will be able to remember the gist of that and that's a really uh, helpful thing in being able to meditate on God's word and keep it in our heads and number five 
God blesses those who don't just listen to the word or study it or make it a habit or memorize it, but do what it says. Here's the really frustrating thing. Blessings don't come into your life just by reading or by listening to God's word. We actually have to do it. And the blessing comes when we apply what God says. Just like anything else in your life. Unfortunately, you don't get six-pack abs just by knowing how to do a push-up. A sit-up, thank you. That's the one I'm going for. I have discovered this in my life. Some of you have also discovered this. (laughs) You actually have to do a few of them. Um, the benefits come by practicing, not just by knowing, not just by watching other people do it. I remember those days when I was a kid. Who remembers Oz Aerobics on TV in the mornings? Yeah. How many of us would put that on and feel fitter and healthier just by watching it? We'd like work up a sweat just watching those people doing those exercises. <laughs> Unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> If you want to get the benefits, if you want to get the blessings, you've actually got to put some stuff into practice. Like I said before, the Bible talks about a lot of places where um, we can learn from nature. And there's a great passage of Scripture that I want to just share with you as we close. This is the last one for this morning. But it talks about some things that we can learn by observing nature. And it's found in Proverbs chapter 30. And he says, There are four things on earth that are small but unusually wise. I just want to talk, look at one of them this morning. And it's a, it says hyraxes. Also, it's, it's rock badges. You South Africans, it's a Darcy. Know what a Darcy is? Yeah. I, I don't know if I pronounce it right. I don't speak Afrikaans. I learned the word, all right? Give me some credit here. <laughs> it says they aren't powerful, but they make their homes among the rocks. And you think, what on earth has that got to do with anything that you've been talking about, Caleb? Come on. Here's the thing. Here, like, let me show you a little picture, all right? This, this is a... Here, here's some of them there. They're, they're these little kind of things like that. They look very and cute. They're fat. They're slow. They're not very good at defending themselves. But the Bible calls them wise. And it calls them wise because they live in... Uh, cliff faces and high up in rocks and in these little kind of crevices and mini caves and and all that kind of stuff it says they wise enough to make their homes in the rocks and what this does it doesn't just protect them from I know you want to pet one now don't you yeah (laughs) it's like the um, African version of a a quokka Um, But he says that they make their homes in the rocks and it doesn't just protect them from the the wind and the rain and the weather, but it protects them from predators. They go up in the places where they've got stability and where they've got security and the the enemy can't get to them. Sometimes like a a hyrax, like one of these little fluffy things, you might feel um, like you're not particularly strong might feel like you're at, at times like you're you're vulnerable at times we we feel weak but he says in those situations we can be wise by hiding in the rock by attaching ourselves by making our home in the rock of God's word 
we can live in that safety of the solid rock of his word that is unchanging, that is not shifting, that guards us and protects us. This morning I want to encourage you, all the things that we've been talking about, God's word can be your anchor, no matter what you're going through. The thing that you have to remember though, let's go going back to the kind of the boat and anchor analogy, is that if you go and you get caught out in a, on a storm in a boat, the anchor only helps if you remember to bring it with you. If the anchor is not in the boat to begin with, it's no help in the middle of a storm, is it? We need to be prepared. We need to, 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 to have God's word built into our life. Not just kind of like as a, an optional add-on extra, but as a, an essential, fundamental, something that our life is built around and built on, that is anchored on. And it, when, when we face those storms, when we face those challenges, it'll be there and it'll hold us safe and it'll hold us secure and stop us from drifting away. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is an amazing and precious gift that helps us and guides us, that leads us, that blesses us in so many ways. Lord, this morning we acknowledge that we've not always treated it that way. God, I acknowledge I've not always viewed your word as that precious gift that it is. Lord, I want to I want to repent of that right now. God, help me to have that attitude, to have that mindset that values your word, that treasures your word. Father, we thank you for the protection that it brings. Lord, we thank you that your word is true, that your word is unchanging, that your word is perfect. Lord, we pray that you would help each and every one of us as we go forward from here. Lord, to find ways to build our life on that solid rock of your word, to anchor ourselves to it, to attach ourselves to it. We pray for your wisdom and your leading as we seek to do that. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you, you teach us and you help us in that. You lead us into truth and you, you reveal things through your word as you, as you show us and teach us. And we just pray and, and commit this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. For more information or to listen to other podcasts, head to our website at BethelCRC.org.au or check out Bethel Family Church on Facebook.